Hey, Rockbridge, want to welcome you at all six of our campuses and all those of you watching online. We're one church, multiple languages, multiple locations, but we have one mission and one vision. And this is like a great weekend to be a part of Rockbridge because it's going to be very easy for you to get information about or even take a step toward connecting into what we call small groups where uh, we're in circles, not in rows, but the Word of God is central and we're fleshing out what that means in our lives. And there's opportunities for our online uh, gatherers. There's also opportunities in all six of our campuses to have a conversation in our lobby, use the information in front of you in the bulletin, and we showed you the web uh, address <laughs> in that video. So great weekend to be here, not only because we continued through first, navigating through First Samuel, but we also give an opportunity to be the church beyond just this one hour where we gather together corporately. I also want to mention that in all six of our communities, we do Monday meetups. We have staff, pastors, and or elders who are available at these times, these locations. If you have a question, you have a prayer need, you just want to come say hello, you want to come talk. So just throw these up here. Uh, great opportunity just for us to be in the communities that God has positioned us in and for us to be available if, uh, <clears throat> if you want to come say hello, ask a question, whatever. Here to help, here to serve as we pursue life in Christ. So part of our pursuit of life in Christ is to get into the Word of God, and we're navigating through all of 1 <clears throat> Samuel together. We'll be in chapter 3 today. Welcome, love you to turn your Bibles on, open your Bibles up. Of course, I'm going to put the uh, verses on the screen here today. I, I don't know <laughs> if you've ever found yourself in life sort of like this, where you're just kind of like this lady uh, out of position, right? Now, of course, that's kind of superimposed, the running of the bulls here, but she's uh, distracted. She's on her phone, but she's just out of position. She's at wrong place, wrong time. And, and you know, whether you, if you play sports, you know the importance of being in position. Uh, if you do in, in life, it's important to be in position right, right at work. It's important to be in the right position with uh, your relationships. But one of the things that we're going to see as a theme that, that really is in 1 Samuel and through First and Second Kings and Chronicles is this, that God wants us in position. And, and we, because we want to do it our way, or we, because we get distracted, we tend to get out of position. And when we get out of position, bad things happen or can happen, and we miss God's best for us. So one of the things God is doing from the moment Adam and Eve sinned, and he'll be doing it until Jesus comes back and we get to Revelation 21, 22, the glory of God, the kingdom of God, the new heaven, the new earth, is God's trying to get us back in position. And I think there's probably people here that if you're honest, you realize you're not in position with God. Or, or you've drifted, maybe you haven't even known you've drifted, but you, sent, you, you, you would look back and say, hey, I was closer to God in my 20s, and then life happened, career happened, marriage, kids happened, right? I mean, there, there's some of us, and maybe you, know, you, you just didn't know that, hey, God has more for you than just maybe you coming to church one hour a week, and, and, and to know that God wants you in a position where he can use you, bless you, grow closer to you. Is like news to you, and you're like, wow, so lean in, lean in. But God wants us in position, and the, the dynamic that's going on, and if you've been here, you, you've seen me put up our fill in the blank. The dynamic that's going on in 1 Samuel is the people of God are going to ask God to put something in this blank, 
and it's a king, a human political military king, uh, and they believe if they have God plus this human king, they'll be happier, have more peace, security, and identity. And we say, you know, we do the same thing. We say, God, I need this kind of job. God, I need to be married now. <clears throat> God, I need to have this removed from my life. So we God plus fill in the blank too. And what, what we're seeing though is when we put something in the blank and relate to God based on our want of this, it's going to move us out of position but God is always working to move us back into or put us into position where we can grow closer to him, be used for his glory, and experience his maximum blessings in our lives. And that's where we're going to meet the young boy Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. The boy Samuel served the Lord in Eli's presence. Remember his mom had said, <clears throat> mom had said, God, give me a son and, and, and she prayed, God changed her as she prayed, and she said, okay, God, I want a son, but I'm going to give him back to you. I'm going to give him back to you. And, and so her, she donates him, if you will, gives him up to service for the, his life in the temple, and that's why he's serving in the priest, Eli's presence. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare, and prophetic visions were not widespread. This is a problem. This is a problem if you do want to be in position for God to use you and God to bless you and, and to grow closer to God. In fact, the prophet Amos diagnoses a problem and he says this, The time is surely coming, says the sovereign Lord, where I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread or water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. I tell you, church, you know, we get all nervous when we have a famine of health, when our health is lacking. We get all nervous when we have an economic famine or recession or, hey, gas prices or what they are, grocery prices or what they are. We get all nervous when there's a material threat or a material famine. We should be more nervous if we're not hearing the words of the Lord. Because if we're not hearing the words of the Lord, we are definitely out of position. Now, let me say that differently, okay? And this is so important for us. God's work always, always begins with, resumes by, and advances through his word. Always. In the beginning, what did God do? He spoke. Jesus is called the word who was with God and is God, right? How did God begin to work in Abram's life? He spoke. How did he begin to work in Moses' life? He spoke. How is God going to work in your life? He is going to speak. So that brings us to our first of five points. That God's people, our people must be in position to hear or to interact with God's word, period. We have to be in position. We oftentimes think, man, if God speaks, it's going to be this dramatic thing. It's the burning bush. But let's just take it at face value. We have to be in position to hear, that is to interact with God's word. I'm going to share with you four ways that can happen right now. And you don't need a bush to catch on fire. You don't need handwriting to go across the wall. You don't have to have a dream, a vision, or a voice in your head. Here's, what you, here, here's how we can, right now, get in position to hear God's Word. First is with open Bibles. Now, I, I think a lot of people, they'll say, hey, but Matt, in the Old Testament, or sometimes in the Bible, God spoke in so much powerful and dramatic ways. And then you got people in, in, in today's Christian world, they're like, man, God told me last night. And there's people who are like, God never told me anything last night, unless it was last night's pizza, right? And, and listen, 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 listen. 
In the Old Testament, people were filled with the Holy Spirit occasionally. In the New Testament, people who are Christ followers always have the Holy Spirit. Now, whether he has them is another question. But so we have it better than our Old Testament friends and, and, and brethren in, the, in, the, in belief in God. Additionally, in the Old Testament, most people were illiterate. And, and, and the Bible was really spread through what we call orality or, or communication and memorization. Right? So not everybody had... Uh, an inspired written book of the Word of God. So today, this side of Easter, this New Testament, the era of the church, we have the Holy Spirit and we have the 66 written uh, books of the Bible that God himself inspired. So we can never say God is silent if our Bibles are closed. So we hear from God with open Bibles. In fact, we will text you through our time with God, outreach and ministry, we will text you a daily time in God's Word. You just go ahead. Let's text in church. It's okay for the next 30 seconds, right? If you would text TWG. Take your, take your phones out. Go ahead and go ahead and do it. Take your phones out. If you are not in God's Word every day, we're going to stop that right now. And we're going to put you in God's Word every single day because it is so important to us being in position to relate to God, to be in God's Word. So TWG, 888-744-744. 0761. God speaks through our open Bibles. God also speaks through His church, through our church. God speaks through our church, through the church, through teachers, through the communication of God's Word. Let's see it in the Word of God. All Scripture is inspired by God, is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong, teaches us to do what is right. God uses his word, it, to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. And then he goes on and he says this to a pastor. He said, his name was Timothy, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his forever kingdom. Preach the word of God. Now, even though this is chapter 4 of, of Timothy, it relates back to chapter 3, 2 Timothy 3, where it says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us. So now, pastor, preach the Word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. So you preach the Word of God whether people want to hear it or not. Why? Because the Word of God is how God starts, resumes, and advances His work in our lives. Patiently correct rebuke and encourage your people with good teaching. And then we have elders who oversee what's being taught in our church and to our people. And so we are guarded and we are guided as we give the Word of God every week to our people. The third place we can put ourselves in position to interact with the Word of God are in our small groups, where we get in smaller groups where we can actually ask questions, discuss, pray about, talk about the application of God's Word in our lives. The Bible tells us this way, let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works, application of God's word. We have to know one another, be in circles with one another, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other. That in those environments where we're interacting with the word of God, God speaks. And that's why this time of the year in August, we're really pushing, promoting, talking about our small groups, you got information 
uh, in your some <coughs> excuse me in your bulletin online in our connection areas our lobbies where you can find a Bible study you can find a group of people who, who gather together and where the Word of God is central and talk about how that Word of God shows up in your life and then the fourth way you can interact with God's Word is by memorizing Scripture listen there's sometimes you're at work and you need a word and you don't have a Bible, you can't open your phone, you can't open your app, so we have to preload, right, our minds with the Word of God. Listen to the Word of God itself. The instruction of God is in his heart, his steps do not falter. I have treasured your Word in my heart that I might not or may not sin against you. And so the Word of God and interacting with it is part of being in position so God can be real and, and vivid and active in our lives. So the story with Samuel continues. Verse 2. One day, one day Eli, whose eyesight was failing, was lying in his usual place. And Eli is sort of paradigmatic of the condition of Israel. They're not able to see. They're out of position with God. And we know from last week, Eli's out of position as well because of his behavior and that, the, the behavior of his sons. Before the lamp of God, God had gone out, Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was located. Then the, then the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. And I, I didn't call, Eli replied, go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Once again, the Lord called Samuel, God's persistent. Samuel got up, went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. And Eli said, I didn't call my son. Go back and lie down. Now, this verse right here is very significant. Listen to what it says. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord because the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. See, it's not enough yet just to, it's not enough to interact with the word or to be in the word. It's how we receive the word, which is what this is alluding to. So look, think about it. Samuel's in the temple. Or we might say Samuel's in church. But he did not know the Lord. There's people who are in church that don't necessarily know the Lord. So, so what is he saying here? Somehow knowing the Lord is connected with understanding the revealed word of God. So let's say this now. Let's add to our repertoire what we're talking about, about being in position with God. A relationship with God is always going to begin with be resumed by and advanced through his word. Not only does God's work uh, start this way, but our relationship with God is contingent upon the word of God getting to us in such a way that we can understand and step in accordance with that word. Not powerful? So powerful, so incredible that God wants to speak to us, that God wants to have that kind of personal conversational relationship with us so it's not enough to be interacting with the word of God you can come to church and get nothing from the word of God even though it's being preached or taught you can be in small group and get nothing from the word of God you can do do lots of things and still get nothing so it's how we're receiving the word of God and so finally Eli realizes something the third time the Lord called Samuel he got up went to Eli and he said here I am you called me but then Eli understood that the Lord was calling the boy. Eli's a little rusty because he hasn't been walking with the Lord. But finally he realizes, 
something that's really no longer possible for him because his heart has been kind of calloused and he's become casual and nominal in his faith towards Yahweh. He realizes, though, God's doing something new. The word of the Lord was rare. The word of the Lord was not widespread in this time. But Eli realizes God's breaking through. Eli realizes God is getting through and he's doing it to a, to a young boy. God never gives up. God's always working. And how does his work begin? Through his word and people who are willing to hear it and get in position to move with it. So he told Samuel, go and lie down. If he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the question, well, how do we receive God's word? Matt, how do I come to church? How do I go to small group? Matt, sometimes I read the Bible and I get nothing. How do I hear the word of God? How do I receive the word of God? I mean, we've all been in conversations where people have been talking to us, but we hadn't heard a word they said. And it can be the same for us. So how do we receive the word of God? Well, the, the clues come from Eli's direction to Samuel. It says, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I'm open. I'm receptive. The prophet Isaiah says it this way. I will look favorably on this kind of person. God's looking for people in position to move with him. He says, one who is humble, submissive in spirit, and here it is, trembles at my word. In awe, in respect, in receptivity, in reverence for the word of God. You who tremble at, the wor- at his word, hear the word of the Lord. So people who are in position will tremble at God's word. God seeks and speaks to pre-surrendered people. God seeks and speaks to pre-surrendered people. When he says, Eli says to Samuel, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, Eli, before you even know the question, go ahead and put your yes on the table. It's the word of the Lord. Don't read the Bible just to say you read the Bible. Don't come to church just to say you came to church. Open your heart. Surrender your heart. Tremble at the word of God. Put your yes on the table. God speaks to that, those kind of people. Those who tremble at his word. So, you know, something I fear is we have so many podcasters and sermons out there we have so much access through apps, praise the Lord, and, and Bibles. That Do we tremble, though, at the Word of God? Or are we just looking for something cool, fresh, versus something transformational? Do we tremble at the Word of God? Is our yes on the table? Now, there's, there's a couple of guardrails that should come into this. The first one is this, we've got to avoid presumption. Notice he says, if he speaks again, if, and, and, and listen, your gut is not God. Feelings are not faith, right? So we've got to avoid presumption. There has to be, according to the prophet Isaiah, a spirit of humility. 
Similarly, we should avoid making demands. We should avoid making demands. I think there's a lot of people, and you want to, you're so hungry for extra biblical communication. God, give me a vision. God, give me an impression. God, give me this. God, give me that. And we become like the Pharisees in the Gospels of Matthew who say, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. And Jesus says, Here's the only sign you're going to get. We got to let God be God and choose how he communicates. And listen, if you never get a dream, if you never get a vision, if you never see a burning bush, if you never get this feeling in your gut, and you're like, oh, I heard from God, I heard from God, and all you have are the 66 books of the Word of God, you have enough to walk with God and be in position to be blessed by God. So don't demand extra biblical stuff. If God wants to do it, let him do it because he's God. But let God be God. But don't demand how God communicates when God has graciously given us a way that we can talk to him, interact with him all the time. Now, what's beautiful, though, in this story is we see how patient and persistent God is. It says once again, God keeps coming back to Samuel, coming back to Samuel, coming back to Samuel, hoping that Samuel will open his eyes and open his ears and open his heart and put his yes on the table. And through the coaching of Eliah, Eli, excuse me, that's exactly what he does. Now, that, that gives us a principle. And I think it's a principle. There's some of us need to hear this. And it's what I'm going to call the same spot principle. If God is speaking to you here about this area of your life, he's going to often come back to this same spot. And say, this is where I need you to move. This is what I'm talking to you about. See, sometimes, you know, we go over here. God, no, I want you to talk about this. God, I want you to deal with this. God, I need more information about this. And God's like, no, 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 right here. Until we get your yes on the table right here, all that other stuff, we're not going there. Some of you, the reason you feel out of position with God is because six months, seven years, ten years, five months, five weeks, five days ago, God said something to you, and you haven't acted on what he said. You've withheld your yes. He's going to come back to the same spot until you get, with him, get right with him in that spot, put your yes on the table in that spot. God's going to keep once again speaking to you right there. Be careful about listening to like five sermons a week. People all the time, hey, I'm listening to this, I'm listening to this. Stop. How much can you, God's not going to overwhelm you with all this information if you haven't just moved forward in the information he's given to you. Find one church that preaches and teaches the word of God. Apply that sermon. Be in Bible study in that setting. And put your yes on the table. Anything more is going to overwhelm you. And God's not overwhelming. He's patient and persistent working in the same spot. Until we get our yes on the table. This is where we got to evaluate our heart, right? Because there's the response we give versus the response we want. But the response we give determines the type of relationship we have with God. See, there's a response God wants. And the one we give is going to determine the relationship that we have with God. He wants the yes on the table. He wants the pre-surrender, right? That's what God wants. Now, 
Samuel says to the Lord, give me your message. And the Lord says, I'm about to do something in Israel that will cause everyone who hears about it to shudder. The young boy Samuel is about to get a message that's not going to be real popular. He talks about it. He says, on that day I will carry out against Eli everything I said about his family, his corrupt family, his two sons and their sins. That was part two last week. From beginning to end, I told him that I'm going to judge his family forever because of the iniquity he knows about. His sons are cursing God and he has not stopped them. Therefore, I have sworn to Eli's family the inequity of Eli's family will never be wiped out by either sacrifice or offering. So, hey, young Jedi Samuel, your first message that you need to preach is very unpopular. It's going to be very, very hard to hear. But it introduces us something about how God positions us. God gives us light, often in that same spot. And he wants us to obey the light we have. The psalmist says it this way, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. So imagine we're in a dark room, right? Or on a dark trail at night in the woods and we get one flashlight. And we can only step where that light is shining lest we step on something dangerous or lest we trip and fall because of something unseen. But as long as we step where the light is, we keep moving, we're in position, we're moving forward by faith, we're moving forward with clarity and with hope. See, a lot of us want to grab that flashlight from God and shine it all over the place. Or a lot of us are like, hey God, what about here, what about here? Obey the light you have is the principle for being in position. People in position step with the light they have. They step where God is shining the light. So Samuel, God is shining the light on Eli and his family. That's the message. That's the word. What will you do with it? See, listen, sometimes we argue about things God hasn't said or things God's not doing. But what we are to do is step with the light he has and move with the light that God is giving and in this, we have to be careful, okay? We have to be careful. And this is where a lot of our culture is, and it's tearing churches up. It's tearing denominations up. It's dividing the church. There is a difference between God's word being unclear and it being unpopular. You'll find more often than not, God's word is clear. But what we do is we if it's unpopular, we assume it's unclear. What if the ambiguity is not in God's word, it's in our heart? That we've just never decided to step with God in the light that he's giving. God's word's remarkably clear about human sexuality, about marriage. God's word's remarkably clear about the dangers of Christian nationalism. God's word is, is, is very, very clear about how much we are to care for and minister to the poor. God's word is very, very clear about, I mean, how can you get any clearer than the Ten Commandments? It's very, very clear. Don't confuse lack of clarity with lack of popularity. And, and this is where we have to realize something about God. He's not our consultant. He's our God. He's not our consultant. He's our God. We don't hear God's word to negotiate with God. We hear God's word to step with God. See, sometimes when it comes to hearing from God... I think a lot of people want God to confirm 
their confirmation bias. You know, we all have confirmation biases. Confirmation bias is where I look for what I believe or what I feel. I look for confirmation around that. I don't want my confirmation biases to be challenged or critiqued or convinced. I just want, hey, I'm right. Hey, oh yeah, I can go ahead because, you know, God told me this, right? And we never really let, we're not letting God be God. We're just trying to use God to confirm what we already want to do. We do this so much in our politics. We assume the way we vote and the, and the candidate we're choosing is God's person or God's platform. You know how dangerous that is? Do you, go, go, go read the, the book of Joshua. And right before they go battle at Jericho, Joshua meets the angel of the Lord and he pulls out his sword to fight him. And he says, whose side are you on? He says, neither. You're on holy ground. In other words, Joshua, you adjust to God. God doesn't adjust to you. So if we're in position with God, we're humble and we're submissive. We tremble at his word. And his word shines the light, not our opinions or our preferences. So Samuel gets this hard message, right? He goes back to sleep till the morning. Then he opened the doors of the Lord's house, and he was afraid to tell Eli the vision. I bet. It's unpopular. But Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Here I am, answered Samuel. He says, what was the message God gave you? Now, this is great. This is, this is how we as a church need to view God's word. We do not need preachers, teachers, or audiences who are sitting for the word of God to want to hear what they want to hear. We do not need people coming to church who want to hear what's popular or what's trending or, or, or you know, what's on the peripheral. We need people who want to hear God's word, period, no matter what it is. So he says, don't hide it from me, Samuel. May God punish you and do so severely if you hide anything from me that he told you. Would you pray that over me? Would you pray that over our small groups? Would you pray that over this church? That we are never driven by what is convenient or popular or trendy. That we are never driven by, hey, there's this hot topic and we need to grab onto it. But that we come back consistently to the word of God. Let God determine where he shines the light. And wherever he shines the light, we put our yes on the table and we step with God in position on the path that he reveals for his glory, for his honor, for his renown. But it requires us to do something. And you see the young boy Samuel being afraid, but then being encouraged by Eli to bring the word. See, people in position detect the flesh, and they follow God anyway. Samuel in his flesh was afraid, but he's going to decide to follow God anyway. See, when you hear the word of God, you tremble, because it's God's word. When you hear the word of God, there ought to be some uncomfortable, it ought to make us uncomfortable at times. It's not always kumbaya. It's not always confirmation, affirmation. God's building a people. He's positioning and repositioning and trying to get us back into position. That's not always easy to hear that message. But because he loves us. How do I know he loves us? Because he died on the cross for us. We're going to take communion in a few minutes. And remember that. 
But we detect the flesh and follow God anyway. Let me share with you some ways your flesh kind of hides out. Some forms that the flesh takes so it doesn't have to hear or have to heed the word of God. Justifiable negative emotions. Justifiable. Samuel's afraid. He's got to give an unpopular message to his boss. Cynicism. Bitterness. You, I have a reason to be angry. I have a reason to be cynical. Can't stay that way and follow Jesus. It's not one of the fruit. One of the nine fruits of the Spirit is not, I'm a cynical, pessimistic, bitter person. Come hang out with me. That's not one of the nine fruits of the Spirit. It's love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, and self-control, faithfulness and self-control, right? So justifiable negative emotions, your flesh can hide out in that. Oh, I'm not a bad. And you, you hear God's word, but you don't put your yes in the table. The desire to control the narrative or the outcome. See, when you follow God's word, you, you begin to realize he's in control of the outcome. You just step with the light he gives you. The longing for acceptance, people-pleasing, fear of man, fear of woman. <coughs> our materialism and our comfort zones, all of those our flesh can hide out in. Because if you're following God with the light he gives you, he will often take you out of your comfort zone. And then finally, our schedules. Sometimes we can't hear from God, and our flesh hides out in our schedule. We talked about Sabbath a couple weeks ago. encourage you to go back and grab those messages online in case you missed them. So here's what Samuel going to do. Flesh or faith, Samuel told him everything. He gives him the message. Did not hide anything from him. And Eli responded, he is the Lord. Let him do what he thinks is good. This is the response. He is the Lord. Let him do what he thinks is good. This is the response. This is not us coming to God. To God be my consultant. God confirm what I already feel, what I already think, what I already believe. This is God, you be God. You do what you think is good. What about Samuel? Here's how the chapter ends. He grew. The Lord was with him. And he fulfilled everything Samuel prophesied. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was a confirmed prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear in Shiloh because there he revealed himself to Samuel. How did he reveal himself to Samuel? By his word. See, people in position are word of God committed and word of God consistent. It's not once a week. It's not occasionally. It's a dogged commitment to be under and in the word of God. It's a dogged commitment to be consistently exposed, interacting with the yes on the table to the word of God. Listen, as we hear that message and we ask ourselves, hey, what am I doing with the Word of God? Am I committed? Am I consistent in the Word, in church, in small group, in scripture memory? Is my yes on the table? And to bring us back to that as a time of response, Let's remember how God has spoken. 
Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors, and we've just read about one of these ways of God speaking, by the prophets at different times and in different ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature. The Son is sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So here's what I want us to do. We're going to take the Lord's Supper. I will tell you when it's time to do that. But this supper that we take in obedience to Jesus reminds us of Jesus' death for us and Jesus' death instead of us. And this reminds us that the most powerful way God has ever spoken It's through the life of Jesus. In that, we see how bad our sin is. So some of you need to see your sin and come to a place of repentance, but receive that God has provided purification for your sins. Some of us, when we see Jesus, we need to see acceptance and adoption. We need to see that our identity is a gift we receive, not something we go out and achieve. Some of us need to receive Christ as just the one that everything is aimed at. That it's not about us, it is about Him. It is about His glory. It is about His renown. Some of us, when we see Christ and we take the Lord's Supper, we realize it is Jesus' church, not my church. We realize that we're not supposed to date the church. We're supposed to be married into the church in a connection, in a covenant community, in study of God's word together. We don't play church. We are the church. Some of us, as we see Jesus through communion, we see the holiness of God, the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the majesty of God, all of these beautiful attributes of God, and we're just overwhelmed with a desire to love Him back, to seek Him with all of our heart. So would you let the way God has most definitively and powerfully spoken through His Son, would you let Him speak to you and shine light on your path and you take a step in cooperation with the word He's given? Because on the night Jesus was betrayed, after He'd given thanks, He took bread. He said, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. In the same manner, after supper, he took also the cup, and he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. He said, Do this all in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. If you're not a Christ follower yet, please refrain from taking the Lord's Supper. Unless today you've heard God call your name, call you back, call you home, and you're ready to put your yes on the table. But for all of us, however this Jesus, this Jesus that hung on the cross is speaking to you, take the light he's giving right now and step in position with him. As we pray, when I say amen, you feel free to take the body and the blood of Jesus. Lord God, for every person here today, you have spoken. Every person here today has heard your word. How are we hearing this word, Jesus? Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. May we see the light of your word shine on our souls, shine on our lives. May we hear how you have spoken most clearly through the life, 
the death and the resurrection of your son Jesus. May we receive that word and take that step. God, let there be no ambiguity here because your word is here. Position your people to be obedient, to be repentant, to be loved, to be fruitful, to be at peace, to have hope that doesn't disappoint. Position your people to bring glory to the name of Jesus in whose name we pray. Amen, as you partake of the body and blood of Christ.